This week on The Zone of Truth, Griff and I deliver an emergency HLP State of the Union address, speak to how we're both dealing with quarantine, Creature features some web-slinging bad guys, and of course, answer some listener questions. I'm your host, Steve. Not exactly in studio with your GM and my co-host, Griffin. Roll a will save. You're in the zone of truth. And we're back with a huge question mark on the end of that. <laughs> back asterisk. <laughs> yep, yep. This one's a. This is this is a first. It it's a first for us. Yeah, our first remote uh, zone of truth, man. Well, first remote where we're not together, and we're remotely recording. This this is true. Um, so my apologies ahead of time to the fans if at least my sound quality is off a little bit. Griff, of course, is back in the studio, um, back in his home, and I'm in my apartment. So I'm using a remote mic. This is one of the old mics we used to use that can plug into my computer. I am sitting in the middle of my living room, which of course is not soundproofed because why would I soundproof my apartment? Um, so hopefully it sounds good. I have no reason to think it won't. But um, just letting you guys know, because it's remote, there might be a slight change. Who knows? I'm actually, I'm legitimately surprised your uh, apartment isn't soundproofed. I figured <laughs> oh, your neighbors yeah. would appreciate it. Oh, yeah. yeah. I actually have. Yeah, well, they just hear they just hear the sound of lightsaber battles all night <laughs> to the wee hours of the morning. Yeah, I got a letter from my, uh, from my apartment complex saying that I need to soundproof, so care of it no big deal. <laughs> um but how are you Sorry, how are you hanging in required. there dude i'm doing all right man i'm uh i guess what are we on day 10 of quarantine day something ridiculous into the second week yeah i started working from home uh thursday before last so yeah about 10 or 11 for me it's been a while yeah and I haven't seen you in person for probably the longest time this year so far. Yeah, Consider- easily the longest time this year. <laughs> Considering that we like spend three or four nights a week together at least, but now I got nothing here, so I'm all out by I know, my man, I, I think I I said this on our Discord where it was. I was just thinking about it, and it's like we're falling apart, man. Like our whole crew is used to hanging out at least at minimum twice a week. Yeah. At least. I mean, and that's just like game sessions that are weekly. And then like, it doesn't even account for the weekend. Yeah, I would. It's it's certainly not out of character for us to do like a five or even six nights together. Because, you know, we've got we've got <laughs> Plague Stone. Uh, you and I have hideous tomfoolery on the side. Um, Rune Lords, regular podcast, Friday night getting drunk, Saturday night getting drunk. You know, so that's like... That's most of your week right there. Yeah, it's most of the week. I like I'm used to having more excuses to drink during the week. I mean, I I'm drinking right now, but ooh, just in general. I know, right? Uh and and so Griff, tell me, what are you drinking, man? Okay, so weird quarantine cocktail coming up. Oh boy. As Steve said, I'm I'm at the studio. I the studio is in my home. 
and most of the drinks that you guys vote on for Patreon polls, the liquor that goes into them, if it's not good liquor, ends up in my liquor cabinet. So I have about 20 bottles of just various weird liquor, and I kind of made a resolution myself where, you know, if I'm going to drink during this quarantine, I may as well work my way through the stuff that we have. Because as Steve can attest, I get a little bit pissy when I don't have the good stuff and I'm very drunk. Mm, truth. And so I figured I'd save that, start my drinking off of the shitty stuff, and then move on to the good stuff when uh, when drunk me deserves nothing less. Yeah. So right now, it is a sour raspberry whiskey in a fruit punch zip fizz. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can you can see it's like a bright it's like, it's like, it's like a red rocket the color of this shit that is it's, so whack dude that sounds awful it's really good it's, it's, good. it's surprisingly good yeah it's good I, I think it's because it's the remnants of the old smoky whiskey that me and Haley got sure. back in Gatlinburg and that stuff is whiskey but it's super flavored and so this stuff that's like sour raspberry pretty much just tastes like sour raspberry. It doesn't really taste like whiskey. Is it is it the same brand or the same folks that did like the peanut butter and stuff? Or am I thinking something different? Oh, no, that's uh, the root same, beer stuff. Same folks, but the root beer stuff, yeah, yeah, that was their whiskey. So they had a root beer flavored whiskey that literally just you could drink it straight as root beer. It was ridiculous. Yeah, the, the rest of the crew will attest that brown liquor and I – do not have a, a healthy relationship. I, I just can't drink it. I didn't have a bad experience. It's just as soon as it hits my stomach, it wants to come right back up, even if I'm stone cold sober. That root beer whiskey went down so easy. I can see that being really dangerous. Yeah, I mean, I think Chris drank half that bottle, like just oh, sitting around. Definitely. <laughs> like the two-hour session. So, yeah, it's uh, it's the highway to the danger zone. But what are you drinking, bud? Oh, thanks for asking, man. I am celebrating our first remote zone of truth with something good. I am drinking. Uh-oh. It's kind of getting everywhere. This is a mess. Uh-oh. I need napkins. Shit. I put the napkins, <laughs> napkins. elsewhere. <laughs> Pause for edit. Pause for edit. Pause for edit. Um, <laughs> yep, that's a mess. Um, there's beer on my shirt now. So this is from Imperial Oak. You guys have heard me drink this a few times on the show. This is the uh, the Sugar Shack. It's this maple it, it brewed with Vermont maple syrup. It goes down so easy. It's really tasty. <sighs> but with that out of the way. Yeah, with that out of the way, I have a thing I need to do. Uh, a thing that's that's my job this time because I'm where the mixer is. That's right. And I won't forget. So I'm turning on Sirenscape. <laughs> this time we're listening to a, a wombo combo of the palace and exotic sitar. Beautiful. And of course I can't hear it on my end, so I'm going to I'm going to hope that you're actually playing it. But uh, I trust you. I'm just, I'm just fucking with you. <laughs> when you <laughs> yeah. listen to this on Monday, you're gonna be like, "Ah, oh, damn it! He didn't put any Sirenscape on." Yeah. What a dick. Watch me, uh, watch me get like five DMs next week of people like, "Yeah, Griffin didn't fuck it up the first time, Steve." Come on, I know that's gonna happen. <laughs> it's definitely gonna happen. Our, our degenerate fans are merciless. It's true. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> She's going to call you an idiot the entire time. They love doing that. They do. <laughs> they love punching down. <laughs> punching down? Yeah, don't punch down. All right. Um, like I said up in the top, there is some stuff, some housekeeping stuff that I wanted to throw in here because as... Um, different parts of the country have locked down and changed the way things have operated. Um, DHLP has to change too, at least for at least for temporary. Um, Ohio has kind of been on the forefront of uh, fighting the COVID nineteen virus. Um, we shut down stuff a lot earlier than other folks, and I, what what I want to say is that. We got kind of ready for this, but you fans at home listening deserve knowing what we have ready to go to keep up for you guys, because we're not going to slow down with the content. Oh, hell no. Oh, hell no. So, Griff, we banked some episodes, didn't we? We did. So, dear listeners, this past week, episode 85 came out. We are... In studio recorded through episode 88. So, another month of content. It's already banked. At that point, the HLP is going to evaluate where the coronavirus is, what the what the situation is, and either return to recording in studio if, you know, the situation has abated and we're not at ordered to stay at home or Uh, record remotely so thanks to our generous fans we and our generous patrons specifically uh, we were able to um, preemptively upgrade some of our equipment which allowed us to send the gang that's not in studio home with uh, with microphones so they have the ability to record from home we can play from home um you know, thanks Fantasy Grounds for giving us so many resources to use on our digital table here. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's an in-person digital table, but we'll transfer just fine to over the internet. So uh, we have all of that, but I mean, you guys are stuck at home, right? And that kind of sucks. And sure so that's not all the content that we're going to be releasing in the next month. We had the opportunity to sit down with Haley as GM and she GM'd us through, I think like two, two hour sessions. They were pretty long. Yeah, they were beefy. We were recording for about four hours. So we'll see how long they turn out, but um, it's a little segment we'd like to call Pavlos and pals tangential to the story but uh for for april fools um remains to be seen if we will drop that on the first or if we'll uh hold out onto it and spread it out a little bit over the course of the month but do expect that in your feeds uh sooner rather than later i will i will say that the amount of fun i had recording that was like the actual play version of the uh, fish sandwich zone of truth episode like the fish sandwich zone of truth oh, yeah. episode was probably my favorite just how ridiculous it was how much fun how over the top everything was i got the exact 
same vibes from recording Pavlos and Pals. Haley in the captain's chair. We had a couple, and I'm not going to spoil the these. We had a couple guest stars. I mean, guess who they are? Um, yeah, yeah. We had, guess uh, we had, the same people that made the fish sandwich episode great, pretty much. <laughs> so we had a couple guest stars playing characters on the show. I will say one of those. I mean, they're they're both phenomenal. One of them brought something to the table that was completely game changer griff knows what i'm talking about something that has definitely never been done in ttrpg recorded history and was a fucking blast uh griff you were able to play as a player rehashing pavlos but like a a pavlos of the past before he really settled down this 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 is a very different pavlos we're seeing pavlos popping off baby that's right it's like pavlos is like a fucking like sheriff of an old western like (laughs) <laughs> I got real good vibes from him, and I uh, I played a character that I just had so much fun with. So I'm just so excited to share that with the with the rest of the folks. Um, I don't want to hype it up too much, but I think this is going to splash just as hard as those first couple episodes of the Evil Interlude. Like I think I think you at home are really going to like it. I mean, these new characters are. I mean, Pablos obviously isn't a new character, but actually getting to see him played is pretty fun and i mean Haley gming was great i mean it it's always fun to hear someone else gm on these shows i mean you 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 think about some of the other like big actual plays and when they switch it up in the captain's chair it's always just a really good time so you guys are gonna enjoy that (laughs) it's gonna be coming out shortly um and then you know you and me we're gonna keep doing it this way until uh, until you can come kiss me on the mouth once again. Once again, once again, you uh, I have you in my sweet arms. <laughs> so so yeah, folks, you heard it here. Um, this is the new norm for a little while. Of course, we don't know how long it's gonna last, but there is going to be no disruption with our zone of truths. Um, in fact, getting us into different different recording spaces, maybe even we'll put it out a little bit into our discomfort zone where we have to do some cool new fun stuff i don't know what i'm talking about but it's these these weird circumstances that give me weird ideas so yeah (laughs) we're we're gonna come up with some fun stuff but this but the zone of truth is going to continue and it's going to stick to the original schedule every two weeks monday refresh those feeds uh and i think there's just one other point of uh point of business in terms of content that you can probably expect shortly and again this isn't 100% up to us we definitely love being a part of it but um, we've been having a blast with the uh, Southern Tomfoolery crew doing some hideous tomfoolery lately um, and it sounds like we're uh, round the round in the bend on uh, part two of book one and uh, that's how we've been releasing that has been part one of book one was the initial blast of six episodes and then part two of book one, we're waiting until we actually have all of that recorded and um, Adam graciously edits it. Uh, thank God. <laughs> what a hero. <laughs> and and then, um, you know, once that happens, that'll be out too. So that'll be another big chunk of content that hopefully uh, at least gives you a couple hours of enjoyment mm-hmm. in what is turning into a cruel and joyless world. 
This is true. <laughs> yeah, if, if you, I actually have. I've been having a blast working from home. I don't know about you, but it's been uh, nice. I, I, I literally fucking smoked a brisket today. I put it on. Uh, I put it on at seven. Worked out. Didn't take a shower. Went straight to my first meeting of the day. Took a shower after that. Fucking checked on my checked on my brisket. Did a little bit of work. Took Marcy for like an hour long walk. Came back. Checked on my brisket again. Did a little bit more work. It, it was just like I felt like I could do so much more during the day, even if I couldn't leave. The work from home thing has been nice. Uh, a one weird benefit, and this is going to be interesting to zero listeners, but I think it's great. At, at work, obviously, I sit at a desk all day long, but at home, I threw my laptop with the extra monitor up on top of my kitchen bar. Um, so it's like chest height almost, and I transitioned to my like a standing desk, and I've been really enjoying that. I, I Standing desk, baby. I get it now. I get it. <laughs> like, I don't feel like shit in the middle of the afternoon. Like, I feel a lot perkier. And I guess that maybe is part of being home and being able to do the cool, fun stuff for just a couple seconds in between tasks, like like you were mentioning earlier. Um, but it's been a nice little change for me. Obviously, it's not. It's probably not going to last forever. Hopefully, it doesn't last forever. Um, but, right. but it certainly has not been um, the nightmare end of the world situation that I envisioned a couple weeks ago. Not to say we won't yeah, get I mean, there. We may. <laughs> We're early. It's only 10 <laughs> days, but I I know this isn't the same situation for you, but like Haley has had to work from home as well. Mm-hmm. So it's like her and me home now during the day. And I feel like we just have like so much more time. Honestly, like before <laughs> this happened, it just felt like work, work, work. And then like recording something or like, playing something or having to go do something else and it's like now I'm still doing that stuff in the afternoon although remotely or evening rather but during the day it's like oh I go downstairs Haley's there oh we chat for 20 minutes like it's kind of like a water cooler situation <laughs> gossiping about the uh, the animals in the house the animals in the house yeah <laughs> yeah uh, well I'm, I'm glad it's working out for you so far it's been pretty decent to me um just a couple more housekeeping things and then we're going to start moving into some more fun stuff guys for those of you pledging at the ten dollar and up tier on patreon our drunken discord release are still going strong they're going to stay on schedule you guys need to kick loose these saturday nights we do too we're gonna we're we're, we're, we're still doing them um that's not gonna oh, change yeah. we're doing them in a big way because we got nothing else to do <laughs> 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 it's gonna get weird. Nobody's driving. Listen, yeah, listen. If uh, just you guys don't want to hear me getting drunk with home field advantage. That's oh no! <laughs> Star Wars posters in the background. He's got his own weird folders up. Yep, it's gonna be great. I'm <laughs> I'm really looking forward to it. Um, we already held one of these, but Netflix launched this Netflix party app. Um, where you're able to like hop in a little chat room and watch the same thing at the same time with a bunch of your friends. We did one uh, about, oh, I was about to say about a week ago. It's only been a few days, actually. Um, but we watched Tucker and Dale vs. Evil. Our buddy Bipolar Pop-Tart hopped in there. A whole lot of fun. Uh, that was cool. Jeez, uh, what else? I, I think that hits most of the... Um, the procedural well, I think in terms stuff. of that Netflix stuff, I mean, we should do more of We're them. definitely going to do that more often. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're not on our Discord, 
I mean, that's something, that's like a voice thing that, you know, through this corona time period where we're all quarantined, like, that's not going to be a, a Patreon exclusive thing or any of that. Like, just come to the, you know, get on the Discord if you want to voice chat with us. Otherwise, you can text chat with us in the Netflix Party app. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's a fun time. We always... Uh, have fun watching shitty movies just our group so the uh the enjoyment i'm sure will bleed through to you guys as you get to hang out with us doing that i'm I'm stoked for that um one very final plug for the hideous tomfoolery stuff i'm just saying i know we already talked about it but hop into our discord or hit us up on any of the social media apps we'll send you um the archive.org link for you to check out all that stuff and more of that coming soon. If you haven't tuned in yet, it's a lot of fun playing Attack of the Swarm. It's 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 great. Um, but Griff, you already kind of gave me a little peek behind the curtain at the quarantine at the uh, Haley slash Griffin household. Anything else you're doing to stay sane during these times, man? One uh, one really cool thing you you know our our group has always been a gaming in person group. That's what we do. That's that's our show. That, I mean, I'm okay with a couple of sessions recording remote, but at its core, we're all at the table for um, the Hideous Laughter podcast and and for our off-pod games. And so as much fun as playing remotely is, it's like a, it's a really special thing that I miss, that I've been missing, uh, not being able to sit at the table with you guys. But... Um, Haley and I live together, and we have a recording studio together, and so I'm reading all the books of Curse of the Crimson Throne, thinking about running a little duet campaign with Haley, um, which, you know, maybe we'll record um, if we do, you know, no firm plans for it yet, but um, I think it'll be really fun. I'm, I'm making a lot of tweaks and a, a lot of tweaks for her character build as well to try and make a one-on-one campaign work but i got the anniversary edition i'm really digging the story we're probably gonna have to skip uh skeletons of scarwall i was about to say she's gonna be so that. surprised in book five she'd be so surprised by the by the uh pillars in there or whatever yeah. um but that's something i think i think we're planning on uh playing the first couple of uh hours of the of book one um this weekend so It'll be a good time. Well, that's great, man. I, I've ne- I've certainly never been in the situation where you know it was just myself and a DM or myself and a player. I've never even been in the situation where it's just been two people and the uh, and and the DM. So or, or GM, whatever. Uh, so so I'm interested to see how that turns out. I'm listening. I'm ready to get trashed and talk with you about like all the cool shit you're throwing in there and how you're changing it to to make it uh to make it conducive for a one-person party well i think it'd be really fun too because like i've powered um Haley's character up significantly but that doesn't like you know once once the sun shines again <laughs> on, on north america and we're allowed outside uh you know i think that'd be the perfect um venue to like have you on for for a while or have Brooks on for a while like do a do a one and two sure sure instead of like just a one and one I think that'd be like that'd be an absolute blast because it's 
I'm trying to. I, I've never run a duet campaign. I like or been a part of one either, and so I'm trying to think of like how best to role play with a single player party uh, as like every NPC. I mean, you guys do a phenomenal job of it on the HLP, but like there's a lot of moments where I can just sit back and you guys can like discuss your theories about what's going on or role play mm-hmm. with each other that I feel like is a good moment as a GM to like be able to step back from everything and relax and I'm uh, thinking that I won't have that opportunity. I, that that certainly goes both ways though. That's on you and the player because even, uh, li- like I said earlier in this recording, earlier today I listened to that Dunrocky Horror Picture episode of The Evil Interlude. Maybe I talked about that before the show. I don't remember. Um, but I did. I think you did talk about it before the show. Alright, it, it was before we recorded. Um, but so this it was morning, when I remembered to do Sirenscape. There you go. So I, I, I listened to Dunrocky Horror Picture Show. Um, this is one of the episodes in the Evil Interlude when the party was split up, right? And um, for a good chunk of that episode, I remember just sitting back and letting you vibe off of Brooks and Haley and Emily. And then when it was my time to shine, I would be back in there. But it gave me a little bit of a nice, healthy break to... You know, keep looking over my character's sheet, think of some of the things that I wanted to say when I came back in, uh, think about the plot, that kind of stuff. Ain't nobody between you and Haley going to have that opportunity. It's going to be go, go, go. Like, you're both in it the entire time. So, But it'll be fun. It'll be a nice experiment, and I think it's just like, it's a cool thing to do that the quarantine uh, gives us the opportunity to do. Like, we're far ahead on the HLP recordings. We're, you know, we basically got a month to play with of just, um, hey, we're in the same place. You want to you wanna sit down and play for a little? Like, I've never had that that vibe, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, you want to, like, sit down for two hours on a Tuesday night and play? Yeah, fuck it. Let's do it. Yeah. Like, that's going to be really fun. So I, I'm, I'm pretty psyched for it. I think it's going to be a good time. I'm... Uh, worried about what kind of bullshit character Haley's going to come up with, especially <laughs> with um, with all of the like huge benefits I'm giving that character. I think I'm, I'm doing Gestalt. I'm making her one level higher than the AP. Um, I'm giving her the animal version of the leadership feast feat. I think it's um, monstrous companion or something. Um, and I'm we're rolling stats so. Ooh, that it's, could, uh, it's gonna yeah. be interesting. She's gonna be a very powerful character, but uh, I think you need that when it's just one versus the the entire. Oh, without game. a doubt, without a doubt. As for myself, I'd like to take this opportunity just to share some stuff that I've been getting into in my single person apartment by myself with the fans to keep to keep myself busy <laughs> so i recently subscribed to xbox game pass which gave me access to a whole bunch of titles this is not branded content guys i'm just talking about what i've been doing the last 10 or 10 days <laughs> yeah it's just xbox <laughs> game yep. pass xbox skip and sent me a new uh, yep. <laughs> xbox scorpio or whatever the newest thing is xbox hey, One X. you know what this show's for sale if they, if they want to send me that, that'd be great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a buyer's yep. market, folks. Uh, so I, I finished up Gears of War 4. I'm rolling to 5, loving them. I started a little We Happy Few, and there's some other really cool games on there, like Outer Worlds and shit is on that, which came out just like this last year. So I, I've been playing so many more video games than I have 
basically, I've probably played more in the last 10 days than the last 10 weeks. Um, it's just been conducive to it. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> but it's been fun. Do you, I mean, not, I don't think any of those games are online multiplayer. Oh, Gears yeah. would be. So I. Or is online multiplayer. I haven't played online in a, in a, in a whole long time because my Xbox Live ran out. But the thing about the Xbox Game Pass Ultimate, one dollar for your first month, is it also comes with Xbox Live. So I have that again. And oh, let geez. me let me tell you, Griff, <laughs> my shit was Titanfall, Titanfall one and two, and I played those to death online. And I had great KDs, man. I was really good at those, and they were a lot of fun. Um, but once I kind of get bored with all the story games that I've been playing through, um, I am going to transition to online. I don't know what I'm going to play. I know that it's the same folks that made Titanfall 1 and 2 that made Apex Legends, so I should really like it, but I'm so mad that they didn't make Titanfall 3, but I'm probably going to end up playing that at some point. Fair enough. I mean, if you're on the Discord, just fucking hit Steve up if you would play Titanfall 1 with nobody else <laughs> online. <laughs> well, okay, okay. Titanfall 2. Titanfall 2. Okay, Titanfall 2, with probably also, like, five people yeah. online. The matchmaking for that's going to be a yeah. grind. The two of us, uh, you know, hit me up. We'll both hop on there. End up getting matched with somebody in, like, South Korea. Game's over. Get back into the lobby. Fighting that dude in South Korea again. <laughs> that's what's going to happen. God damn it. <laughs> the He's one back. dude who's, like, 20th prestige or whatever. And, like, yep. So... Just can't, can't let, let the it game go. go. Just can't let the servers die. <laughs> <laughs> they legally only need one person left to keep the servers operational. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so that's what I've been doing. Uh, yeah, it, yeah, for, for real. If you're on the Discord and want to play something online that I have or is free, like Apex Legends, just hit me up and we'll probably do something. That's cool. I don't really have anything going on anyway, so I'll do it. Um, <laughs> but besides that... I've been diving into some real weird corners of uh, of entertainment, Griffin. Let me tell you. Yes, you, you know have. I have. <laughs> so, I mean, I have too. So it's kind of fair. <laughs> so, I don't know that I've uh, done all of this though. Oh no! So, I started reading manga for the first time ever, and I know it's going to come to a surprise or as a surprise to a lot of the people like on our Discord and stuff. But I have never read manga before. And I just started, and I really, really dove into the deep end because I, I start I before quarantine hit, I borrowed a whole bunch of I can't describe them in anything less than tomes of Junji Ito books. They're like seven to eight hundred <laughs> pages apiece. Uh, so I read No Longer Human, which was fantastic. It's the only. So it's it's manga, right? So it's not like you're reading a 700-page actual textbook, but it was 700 pages, and I read it in one day. I oh, blew <laughs> through that mother. It was so good. I mean, it was horrifying and really depressing, but it made me feel things, and that's that's what I'm looking for, man. Uh, I mean, I, I've caught myself reading a like one of... Ito's uh, shorter stories in like mm -hmm. an hour and just like completely like oh 
where am I? <laughs> I was just like, I'll, I'll like bring it up on Imager. Like they'll have uh, usually like a PDF of it yep. or something. And like, I'll just be scrolling through like I normally would. And I'll like look up and it's been an hour and I just finished. Yeah, that's that's that. that I, I'm glad that you brought that up because um, I actually also read Geo, which I know you read that one. Yeah. Oh, my Love God. It. It, crazy sci-fi horror. Absolutely batshit insane. There's a little short story at the back end of the collected volumes of that. Something, something, fault. Uh, there's an earthquake, breaks open a mountain, and there's these people-shaped holes in the mountain. Yes. Oh, God. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking and about. And I was... Uh, and there's a there's a... Another one of his short stories that's like it, it continue, but it's like the most visceral, horrible like oh. moments in uh, in oh, some of yeah. these. Oh yeah, and so this, so uh, full disclosure, Haley had already told me about this story. I can't remember the exact name of it. It's at the back half of the Geo Collected Tome. It's something something fault, something like a mystery or something. I don't remember what the title is, but she had already told tell like basically had told me most of what had happened. But I read it, and when I did, it was some of the most terrifying literature and images that I had ever seen on paper. It was it was phenomenal. It was great. I was able to find it online, too, because I wanted to show Tim uh, when we were at a bar. So, I... So, Oh, was that was that the night we went to see uh, that one, one of Haley's coworkers bands and talked about Gigi Ito for like yeah, three hours? On, like on the dance floor, I'm going to talk about horror manga. But yeah, so you can I I think I I mean don't take my word for it, but I'm pretty sure you could find a fair amount of his stuff online if if I was able to find it that easy. And um and so then I read Uzumaki, which is uh, that translates to spiral. Um, Griffin, I know you haven't read this one. I would highly recommend it. This was uh, was creepy in a in a different way from a lot of his different uh, from a lot of his other stuff, but it had some horrifying, horrifying visuals. It was very good. I think you'd really like it. <laughs> As they do. There's uh, one I read, and it's one of his very short ones. It's uh, it's something about it's like the model or something simple like that I, I can't remember the name but um this dude like sees a picture of this this model who's like very ugly and he he can't understand why she's like a a famous model she's in this magazine and yada yada and like the image of her like scars him and he can't stop thinking about her and he starts having like nightmares about her and seeing her in places and then uh, his, he's making a movie with his friends and they hire her because they're like well she's a model like it's gonna bring it's gonna bring a bunch of attention to this indie film and it turns out she's like this horrific monster <laughs> and like devours them and it's just oh, the the she's like She's very long featured and she has like rows right. of shark teeth. And the image of that like opening up and unhinging the jaw and shit is horrifying. Yeah, he, he can draw things that are awful. Just awful. Absolutely scarring. Well, that's like the one that's I can't remember 
I can't remember the name. It's like saccharide or mm. glyceride or something like that. Uh, it's just like there's a scene where this kid it has horrible acne and he just like squeezes the sides of his face together and just like streams oh, of pus God. fly out. There's a. All right, we should have put the explicit really content warning on this one ahead of time. Because now we're getting into it. Yeah, really. Right, right. He there's there's two images that destroyed me, and they're early on in the book, so it's it's not a spoiler. Um, but at one point, there's this man who is obsessed with spirals, and he buys this like custom made little circular. I would say maybe three feet across. Almost like coffin. It's it basically you. It, it's as high as like a man laying on his side, um, and so he jams himself inside there, like breaking all his bones into a spiral. Oh, dude! His head's in the middle, and he's all fucked up in a circle in this thing. But he dies, and good god, he sure does. But it, yeah, so that's he dies. Does he die? <laughs> but then his wife goes insane and is in the hospital. And she's sleeping, and a centipede tries to crawl in her ear, and she smacks it and hits it, and it, like a bug does, it curls up into a circle, like a spiral, and she sees it on the ground, and then it just, Mm -hmm. like, grows to take up the entire page, and that centipede that's all carapissed out and disgusting, like, has her husband's face on it, but, like, the centipede form of her husband's face... And he looks like he did before, crammed in that little coffin thing, but as a centipede. And I will I will go to the grave Jesus. with that image in my head. It is awful. It is so awful. <laughs> um, but yeah, guys, if you're looking for a good time, check I out Gigi's work. Uh, it's uh, horrifying. And then, uh, as for really what something. I've been watching, I've been catching up on all my anime that I've been putting off. So I've been watching some of the classics. I am a little, I'm, I'm kind of deep into Neon Genesis Evangelion, which is great. That's a classic. I watched Kill a Kill, which was fucking fabulous. Um, and then I don't know if it's terrible or brilliant because I legitimately can't decide. But I watched all of Beastars. B stars, B stars. I'm B so stars. conflicted. I on fucking that loved B stars. Was it good or not? I don't know. So did Alien, I. I watched the whole thing I mean, in like two days. Right? It's twelve episodes. I watched that in two days, but I don't know if I liked it. Yeah, I just couldn't stop watching. I guess. I'll wait for the next season um, to to judge. But yeah, it's been good. So I've been hanging in there, um, experimenting with some strange corners of pop culture. You're obviously having a lot of fun smoking up meats, walking the dogs, hanging out with Haley. Um, but let's get into the meaningful TTRPG content that this show is known for. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. I think we owe it to the fans it. after last time. Um, we're going to creature feature a couple of the recent monsters that were that have been featured on the HLP. Uh, notably, we are talking about Ettercaps and the Weaver Worm. So... I'm going to go ahead and read the little PFSRD summary um, that describes an Ettercat. And then, Griffin, if you'd like to take it away after that to talk about um, this creature and how it was introduced into the campaign, that would be great. All right, so an Ettercat. This hideous purple creature walks upright like a man, but its face is that of a spider, and its hands are sickle-shaped claws. That's it. 
Yeah, I mean that's the that's the standard uh, definition of it. They're aberrations. Um, so outer caps are normally CR three creatures. I um, gave them a couple of levels in rogue to make them a little bit more interesting, but um, they get they get some natural attacks, bite and claws. I had them using um, using knives as well, uh, some daggers there. Um, it's really interesting. I didn't really play this out aside from having Freya get pulled off of the path, but, um, Ettercaps are really known for creating traps. And so, um, none of that is written into the DAP, but the Ettercaps are. The Ettercaps are in the AP, and it's kind of like, um... I wish they had played to that flavor a little bit because I didn't even really think about it until reading their like bestiary entry and uh, and being like, damn, I really should have, you know, I use their webs, like I use their webs to grab Freya and stuff, but I, it would have been really cool if I, if I trap stuff more so than like trapping you using air quotes uh, by by like leaving valuable items on the ground. Basically, they were doing that to lead you to the lair of the Weaver Worm, and so if you had followed those um, those shinies um, exactly, it would have taken you to that same tower. But the Ettercaps in this story actually worship the Weaver Worm as like a as a manifestation of their god or something, um, and so these ones were trying to feed her with you which leads me to some of their uh, <laughs> some of the interesting little tidbits here uh, Freya s- succumbed to the um, the poison that they have it's a uh, DC 15 fortitude save uh, once per round for 10 rounds is uh, 1d2 dex damage not terribly deadly for a disease but if you roll like Emily did or for a poison rather but if you roll like Emily did it's it's no bueno um, on top of that with their naturally high stealth and then uh, skill points into it from their rogue levels they were pretty easily able to uh, beat even some of your high perception DCs by hiding in the trees they uh, they have a web kind of like an at-will ability um, which they use to ensnare Freya and ensnare Ikmer um, and that helps because it, it, it A, it entangles you and um, if it gets much worse than that, like if, if they like bind you or something, they can really put the hurt on with their uh, sneak attack damage I think they had something like 50 health, like a 17 AC or something. So they weren't they weren't crazy, but when they fought together and when they used their kind of ventriloquism ability to um, to kind of throw sounds around, which is what you were experiencing right at the uh, Weaver Worms Tower, where Freya was the only one that realized that sounds weren't actually coming from inside the tower. When they do that kind of stuff and they tra- they try and trap you and try and mislead you. They're a really fun enemy to throw in there. They have um, they have spider empathy, which I think would have been really fun to give them like 
if this wasn't a pre-written campaign and I was just using editor caps, uh, there's something that's really easy to give class levels to that would be really fun to like have riding spiders or like call spiders to their aid and like have like a giant tarantula or something come to their side and fight with them. So, so Griff, when we do these creature features, I usually just do a cursory glance at the at the stat blocks because I know you add stuff, obviously roguelike levels and stuff for the edit caps. Um, I know you tweak things, and so I don't take a lot of what I see at face value. But when I saw that you forego, you forewent spider empathy, a druid's wild empathy that only works on spiders, I was <laughs> furious. Hey, it allows Ettercats to train <laughs> giant spiders, baby. It's it's such a ridiculously specific ability. Well, it's I just spider I just people. Yeah, I know, but like I just got a real good smile out of that. That's like, oh man, that's good. That's like one of those uh, OIP only in Pathfinder. Like, yep, <laughs> that empathy, level of specificity, baby. spider <laughs> empathy. All right, cool. Oh, these things have a spider I, face. Maybe they can talk to spiders. Let's have a rule for that. <laughs> <laughs> we need to make that yep. a special ability, an extraordinary ability. <laughs> it's it's pretty great. I I really got a kick out of that. Uh, the the other, I mean interesting stuff about them was really their rogue stuff like their evasion and it's pretty bog standard for like a level 2 rogue so they weren't like killing it with anything cool but they do have a 30 foot climb speed so that was nice with the trees being a being an obstacle and letting them like climb up climb down um I mean they didn't really get to shine in the combat with the Ettercap or with the uh, Weaver Worm because I think Rhea or uh, Freya like crit them and then Eclipse can kill one of these things in one hit with her fucking power attack because mm-hmm. she's dirty. Dirty indeed. Uh, well, you know what, man? Like, how about we just get into that combat? So I'm going to introduce the Weaver Worm. Yeah, And uh, let's talk about it. So the bloated white segments of a maggot's body erupt in a torso of mixed feminine and insectile features. Pale humanoid skin and carapace meld together beneath a face with segmented eyes and mandibles, chittering a song of discordant alien clicks and hisses as overlong carapace claws weave cords of thick webbing between them. Now, I really liked this fight. I thought it was very cool. There was a whole lot of stuff that this weaver worm could do. It felt deadly the entire way through and there was a little pleasant surprise that I saw in the stat block here um, down all the way at the copyright notice of course I look for this kind of shit this came out of the back this This came out of this exact book didn't it? Yes so the Weaver Worm is is in the Broken Moon bestiary which is cool. It's always fun when a lot of times they'll put those creatures in as, um, as like kind of like that ma- random, matter, random en- yeah, exactly. Random encounters. Um, broken moon has a lot of custom monsters that are in the bestiary that, uh, get used, which is really oh, fun awesome. because you, you just so never excited. see it. But yeah, Weaver Worm is a huge aberration. Uh, I want to before I get into really the the stats and what I adjusted. The interesting thing that I changed um, about a Weaver Worm is that generally they're like forsaken 
daughters of or creations of Urgothoa. Like they're a they're a maggot lady. <laughs> like kind of makes sense. Like would um, would be involved with the undead, like corpses and that kind of thing. But they're also monstrous, like these monsters and this um, this mashup. And so while uh, the information about them tends to say that they worship Urgothoa, uh, I switched this and the Ettercaps to worship Lamashtu because I don't think that Goddess gets a lot of play in this book. And, and Urgothoa gets so much play that... I wanted to kind of mix it up, and it would make sense that a that a monster like this and monstrous humanoids like Ettercaps would worship uh, like a Lamashtu instead of an Urgothoa. So when I did like the bo- the bone fetishes and stuff along the way, and gave you that uh, Lamashtu bit, I was kind of changing it up for for their written material. It made a little bit of sense to me, and I think it's just kind of like cool to bring some of the other Galarian lore into more of a I'll say Carrion Crown is a little bit siloed in like undeath and like Whispering Way, Ergothoa, like that kind of stuff so it's it's fun to mix it up a little bit sometimes Did did we see anything from Lamashtu before this? I I thought this was the first time we saw her or really any representation or uh, reverence for her in this campaign It is, it is Okay, I thought so. Yeah, she's she's a very interesting goddess. Um, for those of you who are not in depth with Pathfinder lore, check her out. Her shit's wild. Um, <laughs> but I was I was very pleasantly surprised to see her make a little appearance, a little cameo, uh, because she's a very cool goddess. So the Weaver Worm is normally a CR8. I gave it the advanced template. Uh, I toned that down in places, but I also made other changes. So some of the, I'll I'll just give some of the general stats. Uh, Generally, this creature has an AC of 20, and then a touch of 12, and a flat foot of a 16. It's a huge creature, so that brings the AC down, but it's got a ton of natural armor. Uh, Normally, it's got 95 HP. Um, and normally it's, you know, it's got that 30 foot speed as everything does a 30 foot climb speed, but normally it's only got a 10 foot burrow speed. I gave it a 20 foot burrow speed because, uh, it's huge. And I just didn't think it made sense in my head. I, I wanted to give it the ability to actually get out of your reach with a single move underground. It's uh, it's got a bite, two claws, uh, got that fifteen foot reach. What it doesn't have, and what I gave it, is combat reflexes. I um, I mitigated that by instead of the full advanced template, I only gave it a plus three instead of a plus four to its AC, and I didn't go the full plus four to its um, attacks. But Mm -hmm. it's got some interesting shit that you guys really felt. So the first thing that happened in and and provoked this combat was its weaver's song. So a weaver worm can actually play its webs like a musical instrument. And when it does so, all non-weaver worms within 300 feet make a DC 18 will save. Um, those who make their saves are unaffected. Those who fail are fascinated and on their turn move towards a weaver worm by the most direct means available. 
If the path leads into a dangerous area, the creature receives a second saving throw. That didn't come into effect there. Um, And then a victim within five feet of the weaver worm simply stands and listens. And it continues for as long as the weaver worm performs and for 1d4 rounds thereafter. Um, Sonic, mind affecting charm effect. Uh, That was a really fun part of uh, the episode leading into this fight was that, um, you know, I gave you guys a handout. I asked for everybody's uh, will save modifier and rolled them all at a certain point. So nobody really knew what was going on. I'm sure you and Brooks knew that. Okay, I, I got a I got a piece of paper that says um, you are compelled to walk towards the uh, tower, role play it, and I think you guys did a great job. But um, I had a bunch of those in my pocket, and I was just going to give them to whoever failed um, failed that saving throw. So you guys ended up entering the crumbling tower, and uh, then you were face-to-face with this monstrosity, and you came into contact with its paralytic nails, which are really cool. A weaver worm's nails secrete a potent paralytic agent. Any creature damaged by its claw attack must make a DC 19 fortitude save or be paralyzed for one round. In addition, the weaver worm's nails break off in the bodies of those it paralyzes. A paralyzed creature must make another save to avoid being paralyzed again at the beginning of its round, doing so every round until the nail is removed as a full round action. So, once it hit you and Ikmer and Eclipse and uh, did not hit Freya, at least not with a nail, um, until you pulled that stuff out with a DC 12 strength check or a DC 14 heal check, uh, you're you're at least making a save every round. And Mm -hmm. so, that proved pretty brutal. Uh, I think Eclipse failed like twice in a row. And Igmer had two nails in him, so the fact that he kept saving was um, was good for him, but he was just like... I mean, there was no way he was going to be able to pull both out and be normal again. Well, I, I, was in, I was in the same boat as him. I got to the point where I had two in me. I can actually... Uh, for, I re-listened to these episodes. I just forget if I actually ever tried to pull one out. I don't think I ever did. I think I was just making saves. No, you fucking used a arrow card to avoid the paralysis rather than trying yeah, to pull it out because you were like toe to toe with it. I yeah, I got to the point where it was just like I can't waste rounds pulling this out. Like it's just I just got to fight. So that was wild. The other cool thing that uh, that happened to you and Freya, a weaver worm that successfully entangles a victim with its web attack, can retract the web. Uh, dragging the Mm -hmm. victim into its clutches Uh, so you can attempt a CMB check to escape but um, you guys were not really passing this um, and it forcibly drags its victim 20 feet towards it lined up nicely with the burrow speed I gave it and so you know that's how you guys at the end of 84 ended up in the den of the weaver worm yep all in all, I mean, just like a really, really interesting, fun combat. I love um, enemies that have a, a different mode of transportation that grants them some sort of cover or um, at least attack avoidance, whether it's a fly or a burrow or a swim speed. Um, any of those things 
with the proper environment can use that to their advantage and kind of uh, skirt around the party, especially Burrow. Like when it got surrounded, I had it get the fuck out of there so it wasn't taking like four round attacks from Ikmar and Eclipse and you. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that worked really well because splitting the party is about the best thing it can do. Yeah, and w- with that burrow speed, you get to play a little bit with like a, a real three-dimensional combat where everything else before that was 2D. You get to really kind of open up the battlefield a little bit, change the change the narrative. It was it was interesting, certainly uh, certainly interesting. And I felt felt like um, it was worth beefing up because it's kind of like the phase spider in book two. It's just that weird in transit combat that they put in the in the book in the AP when you're going from kind of like AP hub to or book hub to book hub like Lepidstat or like Ravengrow to Lepidstat Lepidstat to Askinor Lodge um, they like to throw something in there and uh, in this case in the past two books it's been bug like things I mean and a lot of spidery things well I I, I think I, and I'm not sure if this was the author's intent, but I think both of those combats, the Face Spider and this Weaver Worm one, um, set tones in maybe ways that weren't were intended or were not. So the Face Spider one uh, really made us. I wanted to say indebted. That's not the right word. We got really ingrained with the Crooked Kin almost because of that combat, because we saved the one pinhead, right? For sure, yeah. Like, that that combat, although it was an outlier compared to every other combat we had done previously and most of the ones we did after that, it served a purpose, at least in our story. Yeah. Uh, This one, what I think this one does is communicates to the audience just how deadly the Shutterwood is. Yeah. Because, obviously, um, going forward, we're going to have a lot... Uh, this is no surprise to anybody, but there's a lot of super dangerous werewolf stuff, and we're at, we're going to be at this lodge, and there's been talk of people going out um, on hunts and, and, and doing crazy stuff in these woods. This really set the scene that you don't want to fuck around in these woods because this combat could have very easily been a one or two death combat. Oh yeah. You were not that far away. I mean, I think the thing about the creature is that it's not a, it's trying to get food and, and you guys saw like all of the like sacks of webbing that where it just has, it's like meals. Mm -hmm. And so it's not in my mind, a coup de gras creature. Could I have mm-hmm. coup de gras you guys um, while while you were paralyzed? For sure, I could have, but mm-hmm. I, I don't. I, I think it tries to escape with its meal. It doesn't try to um, like kill somebody. Go to the next one, kill them. Go to the next one, kill them. It's it did, yeah. wasn't how I envisioned the uh, combat playing out. Yeah, and it, it really did set a tone that. There's some stuff not right in these woods, and death is around every corner, and we got to be careful because it's going to get real. Oh, yeah, it's going to get real. It's going to get real. Well, you know what, Griffin? I think that's about enough of that. We've got some questions that people have answered. Oh, Jesus. 
We have some questions that people asked and we're going to answer. They did not answer their own questions, though maybe they should have. Here we go. This first one comes from Brokeback Gooch Tart. Who knows who that is? That could be anybody. <laughs> uh, in the theme of Corona time, what's the nastiest poison slash disease you've encountered in a game? That's a good question because I feel like we don't encounter a whole lot of poisons and diseases. Maybe outside the show, I, there's not a whole lot that sh- that you know that stand out to me. How about you? I've got an a- I, I do have an answer. I just want to hear what you're thinking. The the poison I had Doctor Viv uh, use against Eclipse was pretty deadly. I think it was a DC twenty Fortitude save, two saves, two consecutive saves, cure, and one D three of con damage every round. Um, <laughs> can't remember off the top of my head what the name of it was, but I mean it was like a several thousand gold poison. Like it was. I figured Viv is known for using poisons. It's been mm-hmm. eight years since we last saw her, or whatever. Like she's gonna have had she's some, some decent poisons, She's gonna have yeah. some decent shit. Um, I think that's one of the deadliest ones I've ever used against somebody, um, especially at you know you guys were level seven. I mean that's a tough two consecutive twenty fortitude saves. If Eclipse didn't have a sixteen con, that would have killed her. I mean she outlasted the poison, and it could have killed her theoretically i mean six rounds if if it got a couple of threes in there instead of a couple of ones it uh it would have killed a con 16 character so i think that's the deadliest one i've used one that um one that comes to mind as just like particularly rough to throw at lower level parties is mummy rot uh you guys could have come into contact with that in uh, like in that mummy fight um, you made saves against it. None of you got it. I think Emily m- met the DC to beat the. Uh, can, it's a it's a, a disease and a curse, and you need to cast, remove disease and remove curse within a minute of each other, both successfully to uh, remove mummy rot. I mean that's that's an easy early game player killer or character killer. Um, just because it's it's so hard to cure and it's hard to survive. Griff, I'm glad you brought up Mummy Rot. Oh, yeah? Because I'm looking at the wording of this question, and maybe it's not intentional. This is the nastiest poison. Oh, nasty. <laughs> nasty. So I thought about something nasty, and I remembered... Um, Tim, you're listening. You forgive me if I get all of the details of this not quite perfect. Um, but in our Rise of the Rune Lords days, um, I played a character who slept around a little bit. Oh, boy. And I failed saves for Mummy Rot, but did not know it. And then I had one night staying with somebody and gave them Mummy Rot. Oh, and then we came back to Sandpoint later in uh, in the adventure, and that person had died from mummy rot that I had transmitted. Does mummy that. rot make you come back as a mummy? Um, I don't. I'm not sure I if it does. At, 
It may, but I'm looking at there's there's really not a whole lot of flavor here in the PFSRD um, text, and I I just straight up don't know. Like, yeah, it could, um, but it just it just gives the mechanics for it. Um, but Griff, I, I talked to you a little bit before we started recording, and this question got me thinking, and I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole on Google, and I found some really cool stuff. <laughs> so. Talking about diseases in Pathfinder, I stumbled upon horrifying diseases. Now, this was like a a mechanic introduced in the Horror Adventures uh, book for Pathfinder. And, dude, they're insane. The Horror Adventures book puts forward five different horrifying diseases. They are Bloody End, Brain Moss, Ghoul Distemper, Gore worms and skin wastes. All so I'll say about those not- is at least one of those will come up. Okay. Well, I don't know which one it is. Uh, there's one I want to dive into just to prove how insane these are. Um, so, bloody end, you turn rage filled and then if it gets bad enough you explode into gore and coat all of your friends and could infect them brain moss there's a moss that gets into your head and doles you out and kills you ghoul distemper is ghouly shit uh gore worms are these worms that dig through your body and then skin wastes is so punishing dude i'm gonna walk you through this okay oh yeah so there are several stages to all of these horrifying diseases. Um, You go from being a carrier to early to moderate, severe, and then terminal. Listen to how punishing this is. And and if this is the one, sorry, man, but I just want to talk about this. No, this this isn't the one. Okay. So as a carrier of skin wastes, you have itchy, irritating skin. So basically, it's just kind of like eczema, right? But the disease has no mechanical effect. In the early stages of the disease, Griffin, early. Yep. The, the affected creature's skin becomes gray and flaky. It gets worse, and the character must succeed at a will save at the disease's DC every waking hour <laughs> of the day, Not or spend it, it frantically scratching away the skin. For each failed will save, the creature takes a d6 points of damage as its scratching skin begins to break and leave bloody gouges. Okay, already, you sleep eight hours, you gotta roll 16 saves one day. Let's say you go to moderate. That amount of damage from the scratching goes up to a d8. Additionally, during combat, every every round, your move action, or at least one of your move action, has to be scratching. And that <laughs> oh provokes and that provokes an attack of opportunity. Each round, you can try and suppress that with a will save, but if you fail, you spend the entire round. So it, it seems like you could choose you can either, to either okay, scratch. I'll take the move action, scratch, and then attack, or I'll uh, try to not have to scratch and if I fail I'm doing nothing yeah okay so that's that's moderate your skin becomes cracked and broken 
and even moving is incredibly painful. As long as the creature remains at this stage, you are permanently sickened and staggered. Whenever you take damage, oh God. you take double the amount of damage you normally would. <laughs> Brutal. And keep in mind, you're still taking 16 saves a day. Then you get to Terminal where the creature's skin and organs are slowly transforming into solid bone until you become petrified. So you're constantly nauseated. Nothing changes that. Um, your dexterity score is reduced by one per hour. Um, once the once your dex reaches zero or 24 hours have passed, you are petrified. You can undo that with a stone to flesh, but then you have to do some more saves or become petrified again unless you're cured. Dude, this is brutal from early stages. And so this was just one example of these five different diseases. But I implore the people at home, if you're interested in this kind of stuff, to check them out because they are insanity. They are... I couldn't imagine having this or any of the other ones in here in any game. And it sounds like I have something to look forward to. Yeah, this was the... I think... I I believe this was where uh, Paizo developed the mechanics it used for diseases in Starfinder. And I believe that the the early the latent the early yada yada yada, um, and used in in two E to some extent. I'm not sure how it's different from Starfinder in two E, um, but it's interesting because I was going to say how brutal diseases are in Starfinder. Just thinking of, mm-hmm. you know, dead sons, if we had contracted whatever that disease was in the in the in the first um, in the first book that all, always like kills the character and we didn't get it. Nobody got yep. it. Yeah, we got real um, lucky. Yeah. The the Starfinder disease track and moving to a disease track is what made so many Starfinder and Pathfinder 2E diseases super brutal and is why they're not as brutal in um, first edition horror adventures I believe was the first time they implemented a disease track mm-hmm. which is just goes to show you how um, you know how brutal the disease track is when it's only used in first edition for <laughs> diseases so horrific that they you know they didn't want to just make it a, a single role and a single effect yeah the the flavor text behind it all too is just it's Junji Ito level shit. Your organs turn to bone. You explode into gore. You have worms burrowing out of your skin. It's awful. They're oh, they're yeah. all it's terrible. Really every single one of them. But yeah, I, I I will say this: hints of the disease have been mentioned already. Easter egg for the for the listeners to to think about. Hmm. Easter egg for you to think about. Yeah, no kidding. It's the brain moss, isn't it? It's the brain moss. Classic brain moss. Cl- classic brain <laughs> That's moss. why we're so dumb. Pull it out of Vigris' head and he's suddenly eloquent. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> oh, my dear. What has happened here? <laughs> we can't do that. We cannot do that. <laughs> okay, we're going to move we're on to the next question. intelligence score of 20. <laughs> What's up? Igmar has an intelligence score of 20. That'd be great. I mean, that'd be smarter than Matsube at this point, I think. Uh, Moving on to the next question. This one comes from Lord Deathquake. All right. 
at Phrasma Saves. That's me on the Discord. You gotta walk us through that process deciding to multi-class. Also, not to ruin the future, but can you give us a tease as to how deep in the new class you're thinking? Is it a dip, or is this the new hotness for the rest of the campaign? All right, lot there. So, basically, I took a look at my character, and I took a look at the other characters around the table, and I looked at how my character was going to grow with my class and archetype compared to the way that they were going to. And I just didn't see it grow in the same way that they did. So I thought, I started, you know, thinking a little creatively. Well, how can I augment that? What can I do that not only will help my build, but what makes sense for the campaign? So I thought, hey, I've, I'm intelligence based, and we just spent an entire book doing investigation. Investigator would be kind of cool. You have a little alchemist flair from our friends Vorstag and Grinds. Um, we're asking questions. We're doing tons of knowledge checks. This makes a whole lot of sense to learn more about because we've been through that process. This is a growth of a character. Um, as for the second half of that, um, how deep are you going? I take it every single level at a time. That being said, I need to get to at least second level to start unlocking some of the cool stuff in my uh, my empiricist archetype. So I'll do at least one more. That's a little bit of a spoiler, but I don't think it's a, a shocking one if you know the archetype. After that, I'm going to look at every single level up like I looked up or what, like I looked at every single level up before. Does it make sense to continue being an investigator? Does it make sense to go back to Inquisitor? Do I go a third route? That would be psychotic. Oh god, triple class. That would be psychotic, but I'm not going to count anything out. So I'll probably do at least one more. After that, it's going to it's going to be what makes sense mechanically plus what makes sense thematically. I hope that answers your question. I really promise I put a ton of thought into the multi-class and I'm very happy with how it turned out. That was a question for me. Now this is a specific question for Griffin. This one comes from Rusted Chrome. You know him as Ryan Stone. He does a ton of artwork for us. He's a fantastic person. Griff, what would be your ultimate way to kill each of the PCs? Oh boy. Um, I have I have an ultimate ultimate way that I'm not going to share because um, each character has an ultimate way. I, you know, there's going to be a peak in everybody's character arc where they either die or they complete their arc. That is the ultimate point to either kill them or have them, you know, kind of fulfill their their story. And Lyris was the fungus, uh, correct? At least. Yeah, Leros is the fungus now. <laughs> um, like, like fulfill their story in a way that like their own arc is done, but still the carrying crown arc is there. Um, that being said, it would be very fun, uh, if not super disruptive, to have um, the lopper as Eclipse kill somebody. Uh, we kind of teased that around as something that might happen if the lopper took control of Eclipse. I think back. In the um, in the mob scene, uh, where was where she had to make like one final save against uh, the corruption, and I'll probably give like Ikmers too, since at this point you guys have a pretty good idea of where that story arc's heading. Um, 
you know, death by combat with another werewolf is probably up there in in ways that would be thematically satisfying to to have him killed. Um, but there, I mean, there's a there's a way out there for all of the characters. Uh, some of the characters like like Lyra uh, will die before their uh, their peak, and that's okay. Uh, I'm happy Lyra died in the water. I think Emily <laughs> is too. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't have like a major way. Um, I will say uh, the ultimate way for all of the evil interlude characters to die is by uh, the regular campaign PC's hands. Yep. Yep. Uh, which, you know, we're we're now starting to flesh out. I mean, Dr. Malice obviously isn't dead, but was uh, brutally cut down by the by the PCs and I think eventually they'll um, they'll either get to kill her or she'll kill all of them. I th- yeah, Doctor Malus and uh, and Matumbe and Eclipse. That's that's a little bit of a, a, a rivalry, I imagine. After the two of us like teamed up and kicked her ass. I mean, obviously it was a yeah. it was a very close fight. We almost both died, um, but we caved her skull, and I'm sure she's not happy about that. No, it didn't didn't seem like she was. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean that's as, that's as far as I'm willing to go with that question. Uh, just because, like, I'm not going to reveal the the ultimate mm-hmm. uh, the ultimate moment for everybody because it's all still on the table. Oh yeah, man. Not done yet. I mean, these characters may not be the characters; they probably won't be. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, there was a very significant chunk of the Harrowstone prison that I was expecting at least two characters to be dead. So that three of the original party are still around in book three is a pleasant surprise to me. And uh, you know what? I, I promise I'm not trying to be cocky, but like, that's great. And I'm excited. And who knows? Some, if not all of us could make it to the end. I'm not gonna say yeah, maybe. I'm not gonna say that like anybody's gonna die, right? Like it's it's possible we do it. We'll see. Yeah, it's exciting. I, I I will say it's entirely possible. And you have you've a, I mean, as much as it's unconventional at this point, you have a pretty powerful group. I think the only thing you're lacking really is a solid arcane caster, and mm-hmm. Eclipse kind of helps in that regard even though she's not a full caster or anything yeah but it's uh it's exciting we'll we'll see what happens man uh this next one comes from scandinavia did you ever think when we started this we were going to get questions from scandinavia uh did i ever think i'd get pictures of disembodied moose legs in my discord <laughs> as well no i did not <laughs> no but that's the world we live in now <laughs> but i love it all, all the same <laughs> absolutely so this one comes from tilda she's asking question for the zone of truth if anya would become a pc after surviving the horrific events of the evil interludes what class would she be tilda i love this question because it really got me thinking um here's the deal I, I, 
Griffin obviously has a plan, right? We left Anya last I checked in um, with um, Orin Vrood. That's not good. Something's going to happen. I feel like something's going to happen. <laughs> but what, but what, what that is, I don't know. So what I can do is speculate. Um, I feel like what we've given Anya is like a really good like origin story. Ripped away from her. Ripped, oh, no. ripped away from this. her family. <laughs> she had to survive horrific acts. And now she's coming back. I could see her coming back as the vigilante. I but knew it. <laughs> that's that's not where I want to go with this because I don't think that's practical. I think Anya is a very good example of how terrible the evil interlude characters are. We got a little shout out a few months ago from our good buddy Eric actually on our Discord. Hey, props for actually making your evil campaign with evil characters. And what happens to this young lady is absolutely horrifying and terrible. What that does to... I I think a good example of what that does to a person being around such awful evil, it could twist them in ways that are not good and so i and so and so i went down this rabbit hole of thinking about anya comes back anya is a horrible person now she is she has seen the worst of the world and she is going to join the worst of the world as an anti-paladin okay Join the uh, exactly, join the order. and more specifically, because we like to play around with archetypes, I found two that would be kind of kind of appropriate. One of them's the fearmonger. The fearmonger wants to do more than cause pain, misery, and confusion. He, or I guess she, in this situation, wishes to spread fear among their foes and inflict entire populations with us uh, with it. The fearmonger archetype is available to anti-paladin, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, but this is a character that literally has an ability called feed on fear and frightening cruelty. So this is someone who grew up in a sheltered home, saw the worst of the world and became the worst of the world and just feeds on the fear of other people, just like our evil interlude friends like saw Nana Opal fed on her fear. Alternately, I could see her becoming a rampager, which would be a nice little um, parallel with her buddy Saw. Rampagers venerate a dark god of destruction where others seek power, wealth, or revenge. The rampager merely focuses on slaughter and mayhem. Because of their sheer destructive nature, most rampagers live short, brutal lives, swathed in blood and carnage before someone puts them to the blade. After all of the Dunrock prison stuff is said and done, and Saw and Anya become these, the power couple of rage and rampage and putting people to the, to the sword, um, this would be very appropriate. See, so those are those. That that's you what picked, I came up with. Yeah, that you picked uh, rage. Because I have her, uh, in my opinion, coming back as an id rager. So it's a blood Ooh. rager 
that lacks a supernatural taint to their blood, but they instead draw power from pure emotion. And uh, fear, despair, anger, and hatred are all choices you can make uh, for this idrager, and they impact um, your blood rage powers. So, like, anger gives you... um, skill focus and intimidate um despair gives you like stealth and fear gives you uh stealth you know, they, they give you like different skill focus they give you different rage powers they're um very interesting but i think she would you know if she's free uh channel that like anger at at the world, at at you, <laughs> your character, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, be, and become a um, become a kind of creature of raw emotion. So that's what I went with. I think that makes a whole lot of sense. You know, you're somebody who's beaten down by the anger and the hate and all the insecurities of this other person. That you end up adopting some of those principles, right? Like you. You get you get beat down enough, you pass the beat down on to the next person in line. I think that's very fair. I just love that instead of a bloodline, you could have your power fueled by hatred. Like, yeah, that's <laughs> like it's just great. It's such an interesting archetype for a blood rager. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a recipe for an evil interlude character. Like, that's oh, yeah, perfect. yeah, that's so good. I mean, I love it, that. Like, jealousy's in there. Like, a character like fueled by jealousy that'd be that'd be a Haley character for sure Haley would make mm-hmm. that kind of character but like remorse is on that list it's so cool Th- those would be super cool to drop into like a uh, um uh, fuck what's the like game of thrones ap uh, oh uh war for the crown war for the crown or hell's rebels or something that's very much more society focused or like you know so that you come in with a character that has remorse and jealousy and all that kind of stuff. I think that would be so cool. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Yeah, like, you know, you're, uh, or even like a kingmaker, like, and you're not mm-hmm. the character that everybody picks to be the king of the kingdom while well, being like a, a id rager based off of jealousy would be very oh. interesting in that, in that, because um, like it, it would feed your power to be jealous mm-hmm. of, of like somebody getting picked over you in your party. And then, and then what does that mean? Do you stay with the party? Do you break off because you're jealous? Oh, I don't know. I don't know, Griffin, but there's so That's many cool good choices up. for Anya. It's like, yeah. Um, that's the thing I'm most excited for in 2020. Oh God. There's not much else. <laughs> there's not much else. <laughs> 2020 has not given us a lot. <laughs> 2020's year of the Anya Um, last question here for the night because we are coming up on time this comes from our good buddy Alex Giordano question for the pod how much dice do each of the HLP crew have and who has the biggest slash smallest dice collection honestly this is only the first part of the question and I think this is the lesser of the important two questions because I'm just going to level with you dude we all have a stupid amount of dice we've got a great partnership with our buddies at Die Hard we all have been collecting dice long before we ever met them. Um, 
I would say probably Griffin has the most, but I mean, even still, like, I've got 10 to 20 sets, like, and I know that's probably the same for Haley, Brooks, and Emily. Oh, yeah. I'm not... Yeah, I mean, there's just errant sets of dice everywhere in my house. I'm not even going to think about... Like, I probably have 20 sets of metal dice. Right, yeah, like, I... I brought three home when we started recording remotely, and I forgot that I had five here already. But that doesn't include the, like, <laughs> six or seven that are still at your place. Like, we just have a stupid amount of dice hanging out. We're always looking for more, but we just have a ton. This next one, I am a little bit more excited about, though. The bonus question here, what's your favorite dice, and do you have any weird dice? I put this intentionally in because I know, Griff, you are coming up with some weird stuff. Yeah. Um, so I'll start with, uh, I guess this answers both a little bit, although they're not my absolute favorite dice, but I do have a set of dice made out of obsidian that I really like. Uh, and it's like black on black. They're, uh, they're pretty cool. They're pretty out there. They were pretty expensive. Um, so those are, I mean, it's like, weird material uh i know Haley has a set that's like uh opalite or whatever uh those like stone dice are are pretty cool but um my favorite dice are the ones that i've been using lately if you've listened on the show uh the dice i made myself the hlp dice Mm -hmm. and uh we got we got uh custom Masters, which I've been making resin dice out of, um, they have a the D6 and the D20 have a um, a beer bottle as the as the natty one and an HLP as the twenty. Um, I like to but think it's a good, of that I mean, beer bottle as a Malort bottle. Malort bottle <laughs> on all natural ones. <laughs> it's uh. It's pretty satisfying rolling dice that you made yourself on the table. I will say that. Um, and we got sets coming for the rest of the crew. It's, uh, I mean, we got, we got some weird shit in there, but like, I think the weirdest set of the stuff I've made is for Chris. Mm-hmm. Cause like, um, cause you know, all he does when he's on the show is talk about bird points. And so it's, um, you know, it, places are gearing up for Easter time. They have Easter decorations and stuff. I found these really tiny uh, peep-looking things, but I think they're made of, um, I mean, realistically pure fluff and and maybe like a, a pipe cleaner. But uh, I took those guys, put them in a set of dice, and now Chris has, like, bird point dice. So those are pretty lit. They're so fucking goofy, but just like in the right way. I mean, yeah, there are these like clear dice that you can see a little bird suspended in there. Um, I love them to death. They're so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, if you if you're interested in like the dice we're making, eventually I think we're gonna make enough where we might uh, throw some up on like our Etsy shop, but. For right now, like if you want to check them out, check out the stuff that we're doing. It's all on our Instagram. I think we're what at Hideous Laughter Pod. Probably. 
Probably. All of all of our handles <laughs> are super the same. Like we're either laughter hideous or hideous laughter pod or hideous laughter. Um, by now you guys, usually it was hard to get hideous laughter yeah, by itself. That was a tough one, but yeah, that, I, I I love those dice to death. I mean, um, what are my favorite? I don't know. Um, I have I use I all I think I've set up before on the show. That whenever I play Pathfinder, I have I always have three sets of dice out. I don't think that's too much. I don't think that's too few. Um, that covers when you have to roll two d six for something or concealment or whatever. Um, I think three sets of dice is a good number to have out. I have a special like trio. Um, it's a trio of the very first set of dice I ever got: purpley blue indigo with lighter blue numbers on there i bought those when tim and i were playing the star wars um tabletop game these little homebrew sessions back in college Uh, that's what i bought them for they're my very first set of dice i love them to death i also have a neon green set with there and this nice blend of a of a blue and white which i bought a long time ago but those really remind me of the sky blue waters of hams so those are nice. oh, yeah. I use those, <laughs> use those a, lot. a lot. I love them to death. I I had that. I think contender for my favorite set is those frosty reds that I oh, used yeah. to use. I haven't brought them out in a while, but those were those were always my like. All right, serious business. This is gonna roll high. Set. I know. I know those. Uh, those seem to roll roll real, real well for you. I don't know that I have a set that like really is always bad or always good. I mean, my rolls seem to be mediocre always um i i mean i i'm upset in a, in a way that i don't have a metal set like that i guess that's a testament to how well balanced the die <laughs> dice <true>. are <laughs> but i don't have a set i don't have a set that seems to uh consistently roll well for me or roll poorly really uh in terms of no, metals. Yeah, my metals are always on point like they I I can't get any read off them which is a good I mean that's the right thing right Yeah it's the right It's the right thing But I think on that note Griff that pretty much sums it up right That's an episode right there Yeah I think so man Oh that's an hey, episode we did, hey, we did it We did it remotely I I it? guess I can I We'll see if Sirenscape was playing this whole time. We'll see if I sound decent, but uh, that's all I got for now, folks. Griff, is there anything you want to shout out, say hey to, whatever, before we sign off here on our first ever Zone of Truth, me and you not in the same room? Quarantine edition. Quar- yeah, quarantine edition. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all I really want to say is, uh, you know, to the listeners, uh, keep hanging in there, guys. Uh, we're we're doing our best to give you guys uh, a break from the mundane, um, but stay safe. Wash your fucking hands. Uh, you know, stay inside. Uh, be good to each other, even if it's just remotely. Uh, times are tough. Times are tough for everybody. Um, you know, and, and we understand that as well. So, you know, please keep reaching out to us. We're happy to talk. We're happy to, 
hang out, facilitate hangouts, facilitate gaming, you know, come, come post in the looking for a game in our discord or something like people are playing remotely. We're doing Netflix parties. Um, even if you're stuck in your place all alone, like Steve, uh, you're not alone. Like we're, we're here for you. You know, we're here to here to bring you content, but you know, most importantly here to just kind of hang out. So uh, that's all I'd say. Uh, join the Discord if you're not on it. Reach out to us. Um, we'll we'll talk back at you. <laughs> you're not yelling out into the void. Yeah, this might sound blasé or a little not great, but like we got nothing better to do, right? Like <laughs> you're not you're you're not gonna get a, a non-response from us. So reach out. Hey, patronize those small businesses, guys. Um, help keep them afloat be good to each other be safe stay healthy and you know what we love you yeah we love you so uh finish your drinks we'll see you in two weeks later <laughs>